Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your podcast app or at Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel. If you don't have Dash Radio, we're there every day, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific. It's a great place to find us. The Dash Radio app is free on your phone, and all you got to do is search for Nothing But Net. Also, check out FiveReasonSports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E. ReasonSports.com for all of our latest stories, not just on the Heat, but also on the Dolphins, the Canes, the Marlins, the Panthers, Inter-Miami, eSports, MMA, and more. And our YouTube channel, we're about to clear 6,000 subscribers on there, mostly because of Alf's post-game streams. But we have other stuff there, including playing catch-up, which is on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with Kylie Wang, and also with Tamara Brown. It's a 10-minute recap of everything that happened in South Florida sports. Also, check out our great sponsors. All of them are local. That includes Gonzalez and Tybor. You can find them at bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. That's bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. A recent report showed that over 45% of people use their stimulus checks to repay debt. And of course, we only got one stimulus check. So this is money that could have and should have gone to cover living expenses. Even before the pandemic, household debt in this country, especially credit card debt, was going up and it was hurting families and small businesses. Nobody likes to consider bankruptcy as an option for dealing with your debt, but bankruptcy is one of the few laws that exist to actually help consumers. So before you make another debt payment that you cannot afford or you do something drastic like empty out your 401k or borrow money from friends and family, why don't you talk to a professional about your options? Contact Gonzalez and Tybor. The website is bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com. The phone number is 954-378-8184, 978 8184. An attorney will answer your call and consultations are always free. We done not only by telephone, but also by video conference. So check it out. Bankruptcyisgoodforyou.com 954-378-8184. And now today's episode. One, two, three, four, five on the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick. With Alphonse Sidney, Alex Toledo, and Greg Sylvander. Part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. Yesterday, we went into the strategy of the Celtics Heat Series. So check that out. That was with myself, Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and also Alex Toledo. Today, Greg is back. Alex has the night off. Alphonse Sidney is back from the stream, so he's with us. And we're welcoming in from Ballscast, another podcast on our network. And I believe, what, what year did you guys win uh, New Times Best Pod, Chris? That was uh, last year. Last year we won it. Last year. Did, did you get like a, I mean, like a celebration tour? What, what did they do for you? They wrote a two-inch paragraph in a article filled with lots of paragraphs. Uh, so if you really, really, really read it, you'll find it in there. Um, and uh, it was a dubious uh, occasion, I think. But, you know, it's cool. It was, it was a cool way to get us to, to if anyone read that deep into the article, then they, fig- they discovered us. 
Otherwise, I think the only people that knew about it are people that are already listening or are my Twitter followers. But hey. Why did you celebrate? We're, we're, we're appreciative. Um, we just retweeted it a lot, and uh, we really didn't do much beyond that. I did no get play. a lot of... <laughs> I did. Well, I did get a lot of flack because I used to work there, so they thought I had some kind of in. Um, but I didn't. It was. It's you know. Wait, 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 wait. People thought you rigged a New yeah. Times podcast a award. Podcast award. Yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, people were serious. Like, they were angry. <laughs> uh, so that was fun. That was f- a fun, good, you know, five minutes to to be happy with uh well hopefully we never win that award here at five on the floor because <laughs> uh <laughs> people would accuse us of exactly the same thing so balls cast if you haven't found it yet uh chris does it with with our friend slim uh kevin Mayer. um also uh is, is smooth still involved with you guys at all or is he just used the twitter account at balls cast and, and keep printing out t-shirts yeah he's not a part of our group anymore he quit uh that was sort of a weird controversy with the three of us Cause he just up and quit out of nowhere. He just like, I don't want to do it anymore. Um, and he gave us, he handed the keys over. He gave us the, the Twitter feed. We still ha- can't get into the Instagram cause he, he kind of got all confused with the passwords. So that's why we haven't been on Instagram, but um, yeah, he uh, Slim and I have been taking over the Twitter feed for like the last seven months or so. I swear you guys um, are the white light skin opinions. Cause we can't find our uh, Instagram password either. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. That's why neither of us are on Instagram. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, he just decided he didn't, I guess, I think he didn't like being a third wheel. Uh, and I think he wanted to focus on the shirts and the designs and just do background stuff. Um, because a little bit of info in the back, the background information, anytime we would have a meeting about, okay, what are we going to do? He would throw in a suggestion and we'd shoot it down and then we'd come up with something and he'd be like, nah, we don't like that. And then we'd shoot him down. So I think maybe that might have had something to do with him saying, you know what, screw it, I'm out. Uh, so yeah, he's uh, he's still a good friend, but you know, he's not part of it. Yeah, so he's like the Magic Johnson of your group. He just up and quit. Actually, I think one of the big fights, and this will lead into your appearance here, was between culture and process, right? Because he is, and Greg can chime in here, Smoot. If you're not familiar with Adam Smoot, I mean, he has six names, so I'm not, I'm not surprised that he's not familiar but he, yeah. he is our brand manager at Five Reasons Sports. He actually has a new T-shirt up on the site today, so check that out. Uh, it's it's based off a of Jimmy Butler uh, expression about uh, about being about the Heat being dogs. Uh, so check that one out. He's got we got like 15 Heat shirts on the site now. But this was over the whole culture versus process thing, which of course our friend Slim follows Greg in this regard. That he is a big believer in that that word that I didn't use for a long time, culture. And yeah. Smith thinks it's all bullshit, basically. That, that, that's essentially where this went. Yeah, I mean, generally people who um, discount culture, it's an indication that they may not have been in a work environment that has that type of setting. Um, no hard feelings to anybody, no shots at anybody, but that's generally typically the connection that we see is that if you haven't experienced any culture, it's hard to identify it. No shots, but you're basically saying Smoot has never worked in an office. Okay, that's that's fine. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he works with porn. He's not he's he works behind the scenes with porn. If you didn't know, and he's very open about it, so I'm not really revealing anything. There's here. not a lot of culture in the porn industry. Uh, apparently not. Apparently not. It's a special um, thing too. If you ever heard him speak about it, so we'll we'll uh, we'll keep that off this particular episode. All right, let's get <laughs> let's get right to it. We've got Chris Joseph here today. Precisely because we're not going to do any analysis of the series, we are going 
we did that yesterday. All right. So I'm just a clown here. I'm just. That, that's no. If we were one of the clowns, we would have got some. No, we want we want All your right. take on this because you know we said before the series that this was not a very hateable Boston team, like as opposed to past Boston teams, like Paul Pierce in a wheelchair, right? KG mean mugging, you know, at every white European he could find, and then backing down in a fight. Uh, yeah. Rondo faking an elbow injury, you know, with Wayne Wade, which I, I still believe he did. Uh, you know, all, all of that stuff. And, and Ray Allen, you know, we liked him. And then he came to Miami and we liked him more because they stole him uh, from, from Boston because they didn't want him anymore. And yeah. then even Kendrick Perkins, who, who we had various nicknames for, who all of a sudden is a Heat fan. So that was a hateable Boston team. Past Boston teams, if you were, you know, following the NBA, a lot of people didn't like Bernie McHale and Parrish and that group. This Boston team seemed like a pretty nice group beforehand. Jason Tatum, uh, you know, Jalen Brown is a citizen of the world already. He was involved in the protest. How do we feel now after three games of this series about the Celtics team, Chris? Well, I, I mean, I hate them just by default. They're Celtics, you know, and, and my hatred for them goes back to when I first fell in love with basketball. I just, we didn't have a team in Miami, so I just became a Laker fan because I love magic. Uh, so at a, and then over the years, I learned that, you know, Boston's fans are a unique group. Um, and, and by that, I mean, they're super fucking racist and they're, uh, very entitled. So it doesn't matter. I, I, sure. Jalen Brown, I think to me, if I had to pick one guy to be like the new Ray Allen, he's the guy you like, cause he's involved, um, with social stuff. And that's, that's very cool. Uh, but you know, Jason Tatum thinks he's Kobe Bryant. He's got pubes for a beard. Uh, Grant Williams is just very gelatinous. He looks like just he's just a amorphous blob on the court, scoring points, which is so so annoying. Very frustrating. And uh, and of course, uh, there's the the white dude. Who looks like he's a proud boy. I refuse to learn his name because it doesn't matter. Uh, and then you have um, Hayward with his antebellum mustache. <laughs> And, um, and of course, Marcus Smart, who is just the biggest prick in all of basketball. Um, so I really don't understand what's likable about them. Uh, as, as, you know, they're wearing the green, you hate them. That's just, that's just the way it is. Chris, I tried to explain this before the series started. Ethan yeah. was like, well, these guys are likable. I'm like, no, they're not. He's like, <laughs> yeah, why? Right. I'm like, because they're Celtics. Yeah, like, I don't exactly. care. Like, Brad Smart. Stevens... Like we even you didn't even go into Brad Stevens' punchable stupid face. Sure, yeah, that exactly. I even forgot to mention him, where he he just he does look like a guy at the supermarket looking at studying the cartons of milk, two percent regular, two percent regular, <laughs> and he's there for a good five minutes. That's what he looks like. Um, and and now again, it's, I think it's it's the connection to the fans. Uh, just aside from all the the crap that you know Alf and I do on Twitter and to to tick them off. It really is just they're, they're insufferable in that now, you know, Hayward comes back, he scores like minus one or whatever, and all of a sudden he's freaking Batman. He's Batman has showed up, you know, and like not the Michael Keaton Batman, the fucking Affleck Batman. He's the best Batman. If that's what we're dealing with on a constant basis. You look at, especially Alf, because I try to stay away from it because I get, I get nasty. Alf sort of is nasty, but he stays in control. And I like that because I can just live vicariously through him messing with Celtics fans. That's a, been a blast because that's what they are. They're very like, oh, gritty. Oh, it's all gritty. And they, they completely ignore that the three 
black dudes bailed four. them out in the last game. There was four black like, dudes scoring twenty <laughs> plus. That's yeah. what like, and yeah. that's and everyone get out, got on me and like even even like Heat fans who I and this is one of the things that about Heat Twitter that bothers me more than ever is that everybody suddenly like a super deep involved analyst. Right. It's like. I'm just like, I'm like, F Gordon Hayward, he didn't do anything. And right. you had Heat fans come up to me while, well, actually, what he did when he got <laughs> into the middle of the zone. He's screaming floor. in the middle of the oh, zone. Yeah, I'm lacking all of so the passing surrounded by Boston you know, guys going, 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 you know, you don't watch enough basketball. I'll and watch the game. Miami fans going, bro, you don't watch enough basketball, bro. So it's like this, you're surrounded by, I'm sorry, the idiocy of it. But um, yeah, I find no redeeming qualities about this team. And if they somehow get by us, I'm going to root so hard against them in the finals. Uh, but so that's you're root against, but backtrack a second, because I want to get into the, the rivalry piece of this. But, but yeah. you would root against them. Are you part of, you know, hashtag Team Petty? Were you part of hashtag Team Petty? Because, no, I, mean, I, gonna, I was not. I, I really, I kind of was trying to nip it in the bud when it first started. And I got almost kicked off Twitter because people were so angry. And I get it. I get why people don't like LeBron. But I, number one, appreciate what he brought. For those four years, I know even through stories with Ethan coming on Ballscast and talking about his interactions, he just seems like a thoughtful, good dude. I mean, he's, he's going to have his faults. He's going to crack. I know in the last couple of week, week or so, he's seemed like a bit of a, a butthole. But I think who, why, who wouldn't be like having to hear all the crap he gets? Um, but I'm one of those people that is super thankful for the, like, the four greatest sports years of my life. And I know he treated Riley like crap and very disrespectful, but in the end, we got more rings because of that dude. And he's the greatest player, in my opinion, of all time. And he played yeah. for my team. I think that's really cool that I can say that. So uh, I'm I've not going to be Team Petty. I've come around to that side. I started out on Team Petty particularly because <laughs> I heard of all the Riley stuff that yeah. went on in Vegas and how disrespectful it was. And, um, and I just couldn't let that go because you guys know I'm going to carry that torch. But sure. Um, but now I, I agree with you. I've come around to that. I actually find myself in most cases rooting for LeBron when he's not playing against Miami. Um, and he's not in a Cleveland Cavaliers uniform as a bonus too. Um, so I, I would, I would kind of hedge my bets and go in that direction too. Cause the other guy in Boston that can kind of lean into the rivalry discussion, which I know we'll unpack further is Danny Ainge. Like I mm. can't stand that guy and yeah. he ain't on the court. So we forget that he's there, or at least <laughs> I do sometimes. Sure. And there is nothing lovable about any team that's built by Danny Ainge. So, <laughs> so that's, let's he's just so that swagless. Clear. Like when you see him, like, you, you put him, uh, you put Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens next to Riley and Spolstra. Like, it is literally Miami versus Boston in every single yeah. way possible. They're yeah. very vanilla face. <laughs> They're very Boston. <laughs> like, if, if, like, if Riley was Cuban would be the only way that that, that, that right. duo would be more Miami. <laughs> and But Boston could – those two couldn't get any more Boston, right? Yeah. And, and like, unless they were reenacting, like, a, a Revolutionary War – uh, battle like and throwing tea into the fucking harbor like those guys are the <laughs> most Boston-y looking front office co head coach combination in yeah. the entire league and I don't think it's close yeah and, and even he stumbled into these great teams like the Kevin McHale basically gave him a great championship team his old teammate uh who's also MAGA by the way I'm not gonna get into that though um and now he's you know the Brooklyn just like the previous owner gave him like a bunch of draft picks for washed out Paul Pierce. Like, it's good for you. It's good for you. And now they've got like nothing but number one picks. 
and they're able to just fall bass, ass backwards into Tatum and Brown and those guys. So that's the super annoying part where you know Riley's earned it. Like he's through, you know, trades and salary cap maneuverings and all these things. And this Danny Ainge, like most Boston situations, they just fall into things. And it's so obnoxious. It goes back to Tom Brady in the sixth round. Nobody knew Tom Brady was going to be that. But he gets there. And now they have Cam Newton. It just never ends with that fucking city, man. Sorry. All right, we'll get into the rivalry part in a second before we do want to talk about another sponsor of the five Reason Sports Network, you can bet against all the Boston teams if you want, and that's my bookie. Winning season at my bookie means doubling your first deposit. It means Survivor Super Contests and Squares. It also means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up as you collect your winnings. So you got to go to mybookie.ag, and you can celebrate not only the NBA playoffs, but also the NFL season heading into week three. The Dolphins this week play Jacksonville on Thursday night. I know you're, you're dying to bet and watch uh, that one. Invest in your intuition. Use the promo code five on the floor. It's five on the floor. You'll double your first deposit. New players get up to a thousand dollars in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Again, use the promo code five on the floor. Double your first deposit. The Heat are still favored, by the way, to win this series. They are no longer favored to win the championship. That was a brief thing uh, before the Lakers went up 2-0 in that series and the Heat fell down two to one so you think the heat are going to win the title still got some time to get in there so use the promo code five on the floor at mybookie.ag all right so let's get back into it because uh, we've talked about some of the reasons you all hate boston and the heat have had over the course of riley's years i would say probably five significant rivalries all right uh the first one was the obvious one which was the knicks right but when you suck for 21 years you're not a rival anymore. Right. Uh, I mean, there, there's nothing to really remember over the past 15 years with the Knicks other than Amari Stoudemire punching a fire extinguisher and, and Danilo Gallinari making Dwayne Wade bleed his own blood and then Wade going off for 20 in the fourth at MSG. I don't remember anything else with the Knicks. And, Yvonne, and, and Iman Shumpert and Baron Davis blowing out their knees in a playoff series. Like, that's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else to talk about. So they're not there anymore. It was the Cavs for a little while because of the LeBron thing, but the Cavs are now again irrelevant. It was Indiana during, uh -huh. during right during the Paul George years, right, where they yeah. took that uh, that picture, that Backstreet Boys photo on on the you know <laughs> for a cover with Hibbert, right, the the as everybody called him the trash cab, right, verticality, and Paul George. We've seen what playoff P is in in, in L.A. Where now there's talk about actually trading him in, in the L.A. papers. Um, so there was that team. But, but that, there's no rival. I mean, T.J. Warren is not a rival. That one that really doesn't count anymore, right? Mm. So, okay, so then you, you continue to go through the Eastern Conference. You're like, well, Toronto's not really a rival. They're too damn nice. Um, that one really doesn't count. Milwaukee's not a rival in any way. Um, the other teams at the top of the East, th there really isn't one except for Philadelphia and Boston. So I would ask this to all of you, which – uh, it's not even the, the teams. Which set of fans do you despise more? And and which do you consider the rival if you consider, again, that Philadelphia looks like they're back in a tailspin again? Uh, the fan – I hate the Boston fans more. Um, because at, at least the Philly fans are, are – they're douchebags. Like, I mean, literally some of the worst people on the face of the earth are, <laughs> are from and live in Philadelphia. Um, but at least they're not, like, super racist. Um, like, like the Philadelphia fans aren't just going to fall in love with the first white guy they see. Like, 
it's not <laughs> they're, they're a little bit more discerning like they still love Jim Allen McCall Iverson begs to differ my friend but yes <laughs> dude but like I mean their god is Allen Iverson the other god is Larry Bird like you know right. think Dr. J Allen Iverson Larry yeah. Bird Kevin McHale Danny Ainge Havlicek I mean the list goes on and on and on and then Bill <laughs> Russell somewhere around 11 or 12 um <laughs> And then, so, but between the fans, yeah, Boston fans are the absolute worst. Like, I mean, they came after me about Gordon Hayward. Like, I tried to send my kid to one of their schools. Like, they were just so (laughs) upset. They had sticks and bricks, and they tried to stab me with an American flag. But as far as, like, the team, I I hate the 76ers team way more. Um, And I feel like that's, like, a budding rivalry. But, honestly, Embiid won't let it be because he loves Jimmy too much. And, like, they they hate each other more than they hate the Heat. So, it's like – it's like, hey, guys, we, it's like you want to fight somebody, but they just can't, like, you know, they can't get out of their own way. So, I mean, right now, the Heat really don't have a rival. No. Um, this playoff series might create one, and if there's some testy, you know, uh, back and forth over the next few games, it might be something. But there's really no rival right now. I, I think part of the rivalry thing gets escalated and – becomes more of like a paramount focus when fans are in the stands. I don't know how that works. There's some kind of intangible value to having fans in the stands that changes some of that, I think, because like, if you really think about this playoff run, there hasn't been a lot of dust ups and like really um, like fighting from, from in the heat series at all, or, or even like those like multiple technical fouls in, in games, like, yeah, here and there, there's been little, little spots, but ultimately there's not that, that team that you just hate, and maybe it'll be the Giannis sweepstakes that creates some sort of rivalry where, where all of a sudden they have a, 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 what's the word I'm looking for, a target on their back, and people start to hate the Heat again in a different kind of way. But right now they're the lovable underdogs, so it's like I don't know that anybody hates them yet. Yeah, I agree with – well, I agree, with, first of all, with Alf. It's just that I think the difference – I hate, you know, Philly fans are obnoxious too and just insufferable douchebags. But I think the difference between them and Boston fans is Philly fans are more self-aware of it. They wear like a badge. They, they're assholes and they know it and they love it. And they come at you like they know it. Whereas Boston fans are like, whoa, we're the greatest thing ever. Like, what are you talking about? And they have no idea. And you'll see Alf joke around with, look, there's a serious history of racism that comes out of Boston. It's just, it's a fact. And he'll say these things and there'll be like dudes in his, uh, replies being like that's just a narrative and they're just trying to defend this indisputable fact maybe you sir aren't racist but your city has a long history of this thing not not to mention you know a whole city of they ever watched uh uh damn it what's the name of that movie with michael keaton batman <laughs> um spotlight spotlight where it's a whole it's a movie about a whole town that looks the other way where priests are you know doing things to children and uh and it took a miami guy the the leave Schreiber live Schreiber Schreiber live or whatever the name is character is based on a real dude from Miami. No, no, Mar- it's Marty Baron who actually hired yes. uh, hired me at the Miami Herald. So yes, I, Marty Baron, and he he I, has connections I, I, with my I old boss. Offered me a job at the Boston Globe, and I stupidly didn't take it. So there you go. That's a little bit of my history. There you go. I didn't know where that story was going, but I'm glad yeah. it came full because circle. Because it took a Miami <laughs> guy to push those those reporters. Ethan to- ran out onto the court like Spo did at Milwaukee <laughs> earlier this year. <laughs> Ethan heard, just, Ethan heard really pr- priest and child molestation and ran onto the court. Time out. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, 
I, yeah, I'm just reliving mistakes in my life that led me to this particular episode. Um, yeah, yes, sorry. No, that, that's, I'm, I'm familiar with Marty Bell. But, but you're right. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I do think that's the key difference between the two is that there is an awareness in Philadelphia. In fact, when, when they lost and when they, when they got swept and before Brett Brown was fired, I mean, they took out most of their anger at Brett Brown, not at people from outside the city. And then when, when he got fired and then Jimmy kept advancing, they all mea culpa like that Austin Krell guy who had that stupid tweet. And I, <laughs> I, and I, I don't, I, he, I, I forgot the name of the woman who was on the, the we kept replaying that video of, of her. Um, Crystal not, something. Crystal Rich, right? Kind of cute though. She, she sure. fell on the sword. They all fell on the sword. They're all like, yeah, you're right. We suck. Boston fans would never do that. It would take right. decades and they still wouldn't do it. So no. I, I, I do think uh, that there's, there's something to it. All right, I want to transition to one more thing here. We've talked about this a little bit on Five on the Floor, and, and I think we've reevaluated our own opinions. But, Chris, I want to bring you in on this because, um, I mean, obviously you're a fan of the other team in town, which has predictably started 0-2, uh, yeah. even around a Dolphins website kind of mocking them for a long time. And now there's actually more to mock over the past decade plus. Uh, but the Heat have pr- provided so much more joy, obviously, to this market than any, all the other teams combined. I mean, you know, there's, there's only – I think that, I mean, the Heat have been to eight Eastern Conference finals with basically the semifinals of their league since Riley took over in 96. The other franchises in town have done that a total of three times, advanced that far. The Marlins twice, the Panthers once, and the Dolphins nuts, okay? That's basically what's happened since then. Where does this team fit for you, though? Like, like in, in terms of Heat lore, I mean, I, in terms of the way that you're going to evaluate them going forward. And it does, I mean, obviously they win a championship, it changes some, but from where yeah. it is, Wow, it's that's a good question. I think um, I know Slim, my Ballscast pal and partner, um, tweeted out that it's probably his favorite, and I agree, my favorite non-Dwayne Wade team. So that's already where they're ranked. Obviously, wherever like even up to this point, if, if it goes no further, it's still going to be one of my all-time favorite Heat teams um, because of the unexpected things that they've done, and they are dogs, and and they're fighters, and they it's a weird feeling where the big three would fall 15, 20 points behind. And you're like, it's over, it's over. And you really don't get that feeling with this team. Even in this last game where they were playing like absolute shit, you still felt like they're coming. And they did. I mean, they, they cut it to what, five points or something fell short because they had a bad shooting night. But that's the feeling of like, there's a more relaxed, like, man, we're playing with house money. Like this team should not have gone this far. And here we are. So you removed all the Dwayne Wade teams out of the equation obviously becomes my all-time favorite non-Wade team. And that includes the Zoe-Timmy years, which were a lot of fun as well when Riley first got here and made us into something and the Knicks rivalry that you mentioned earlier. So obviously I don't think I'm going to rank them above any of the big three years, maybe the Mavericks one. Uh, But for sure, (laughs) my favorite non-Wade team, um, again, even if they don't make it to the finals, it's already they're already there in my book. Greg, if they make it to the finals, do they yeah. elevate over a Wade team? If they um, win it, to Wade. me, if they win it, it'll. I mean, we'll have that conversation there because it'll probably be a thing of, wow, it can really push it and, and move up to you know number one or number two. I think obviously my favorite Heat team is probably connected at the moment, which is the Ray Allen shot. That's my all-time favorite Heat team. Um, but yeah, if they win it all, oof, that, that conversation gets really interesting and really fun. Cause I'll, I'll, you know, let's have that conversation, please. God. 
if they win it, it's more, I think it would be a championship that would be more about the organization than mm. any one player or this hall of superstars or getting Shaq in a trade or something like that. So from that perspective, if you're talking about like kind of to lean into this culture talk, it would be the most cultured of all championships. We'll say that much. Um, right. I don't know that, that we would love it the most, but, but so there would be a different element to it than any other one. Um, from that regard, but uh, it, it, I, I like what you said about it not being like essentially any non Dwayne Wade team. Cause I'm with you there. The 96, 97 heat were, I held close to my heart all these years and I've been mm -hmm. screaming for him as people forget because they have mm -hmm. short memories about that team. So I'm the one who's remembering the road warriors and hyping them up whenever I can. Yeah. And I think this team is past that team. And that's yeah, pretty crazy to sure. say at this point. Yeah. I never thought it would happen, but here we are. Until we found maybe another superstar, but here we are. It's it's insane. But what's kind cool. of what was actually a little special about this team, um, and it it's it maybe it may be prisoner of the moment stuff, but I don't think so. I think it's going to be enduring through time. Is COVID right? Like we are miserable, mm. you know. Like and this like it's pal palpable on like the timeline on on Twitter, and and when you talk to your friends and your family, like, there's a misery around the country and around everything and literally someone today just like man twitter's depressing when the heat aren't playing <laughs> right so what they've done they've given us something to cheer about in a really depressing time in one of the hardest hit areas of the country and I, it may like like i said it may seem prisoner of the moment it may seem wishy-washy whatever but i think it's important yeah i really do because Man, once they got back to the bubble and the Heat were playing every other night, like it gave you something to look forward to after months and months and months of nothing to look forward to but the four walls of your own home. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what's going to make it really, really special no matter what happens. Like people are going to be so – like everyone's going to be mad. Like if somehow they lose four straight or, you know, the Celtics win uh, a seven-game series, people are going to be pissed. But one thing I think people will forever be thankful to this Heat team for getting them through, you know, giving some, them some joy for a few weeks out of some of the shittiest months in probably all of our lives. Yeah, that's well said. And remember, this thing may end now. And you talked about this being an organizational thing, Greg. So in the first round, you play Indiana, which, again, you have some history with, right? Then you, you play Milwaukee and the, the two-time MVP who you are trying to get to come down here in Miami. And then after you beat them, you could potentially beat the Celtics and shut the F up and manage your own team, Danny Ainge. <laughs> and then on the other side, to finish it, you could beat LeBron. <laughs> I mean, if you talk about, like, this is like – and you know what? He won't. He won't, even though he told me five years ago he would. He won't. But if you win that championship, Pat Riley should walk out of that bubble and never be heard from again. He should just basically – he should do what he told me he was going to do, which is get his wife, Chris Riley, not even celebrate and just head to the French Riviera. Goodbye. Okay, he'll show up in Malibu at some point. Because to me, it, it doesn't – like you said, this is the truest test of an organization you can possibly have. And this one, a lot of ways, I think it's his best build. And I think that this would be, in some ways, his crowning achievement. Over what he did with the Knicks – over making this market relevant, over LeBron and all that. But to put this team together with so many unheralded guys, nobody drafted above ninth, right? And that right. guy is 36 years old, <laughs> who you acquired at the deadline. 
this would, and like I said, be his crowning achievement in a lot of different ways. And to beat LeBron to finish it, to basically say, you went out and handpicked your superstar to play with, went and did it in my old city, okay, where I chased around Jerry West and I became a head coach who won championships, and for Riley to beat the hated Celtics and then beat his old franchise and the right. player he thought he was going to be with for the next decade would be remarkable in a lot of ways. So, Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I, I kind of hope in, in some ways that he just says enough. I, I did it. Spo, have a meeting with Giannis in a year and a half. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I just let that play out because I think that would be a cool way to end it. All right, that would be so cool. You can catch Chris Joseph at by Chris Joseph on Twitter, also on Ballscast. Uh, make sure uh, for all of us, all for all of us, make sure that you go to manscaped.com and use that code 5RSN. I still got your kit here, Chris, so I'll, I'll get that to you here. Yeah, I'm, I'm a mess down there. I need to. Right, I, I know. So we'll get that to you. Also, check out all of our great sponsors. That, of course, includes Biscayne Bay Brewing, the official beer of Five Reasons Sports of Inner Miami and also of the Miami Marlins, who are actually in a playoff position right now. Biscayne Bay is owned by local guys and employ people in this community to make their beer right here in South Florida. They're committed to the community to support five reasons sports. We can keep bringing you all the local sports content that you can handle. So if you care about supporting local business and drinking amazing beer, grab their stuff, Marlins Lager, Miami Pale Ale, Tropical Bay IPA, at all major retailers or my apartment in South Florida. It's the beer we're drinking at five reasons sports. All right, when we come back, we're going to bring you the interviews today from Andre Iguodala and from Jay Crowder. They did the Zoom calls, and both of them were really thoughtful, um, particularly Andre, who I thought had some really interesting things to say. So check that out, and uh, obviously check out the pod that we did with Alex Toledo yesterday on the strategy of the series. Just a couple quick ones for you here, Andre. First of all, is the time off a challenge because of the way you guys have been going about it, uh, game, day off game, or is it a bit of a blessing, particularly when – some bodies might need some time. Um, well, you just you look at it both ways. You know, if you, uh, I mean, you just got to look at it. That's how the NBA schedule goes. Um, and then we're like kind of creatures of the unknown or just adapting or uh, being able to adjust to it, uh, any environment or schedule. So you just kind of have to roll with the punches. And then on the flip side, if you do have some extra time, uh, you do have some things that you can uh, heal with the body and try to take advantage of that as well. Uh, as it pertains to uh, the, the thing that this defense prides, it's, uh, takes pride in most, uh, taking care of the paint first. Uh, first, how disappointing was the result of what Boston accomplished uh, in game three? And then how much did that wake up the idea of what needs to be done? Yeah, well, they, they did a really good job of uh, getting to the triggers early and um, Making their adjustment and executing that adjustment well. So you know, as you as you you've seen before, uh, the series become a, a matter of adjustments, uh, adjustments, and counters, and then counter to counters. You know, it's kind of a game of chess. So we gotta do a, a better job of imposing our will, defensively, 
defensively with our principles and the things we're trying to do. Uh, Andre, first, I'm just curious about an update on the uh, back spasms that had you out at the end of game two. Was that a factor last game? Was it a factor in not playing the second half? Yeah, well, you, you're just trying to, you know, same thing, you know, trying to roll with the punches and uh, understand that, you know, you got some unknowns and um, the body may not react as well as you would like. And uh, one thing you don't want to be is a detriment to the team and, uh, you know, just, just sticking through it and, uh, you know, being whatever, being ready for whatever uh, lies ahead for you. And then in last game, they, they tried to park to a degree Ennis Cantor during his brief stint on you defensively. We saw Kemba on Jay Crowder. You've been through this all the time with all your trips to the finals. How important is it, the adjustments to the adjustments when you get into a game three, game four, game five of a playoff series? Yeah, yeah, just doing a, uh, um, a better job, uh, you know, myself and, uh, you know, anyone else when they're trying to throw uh, something a different look at you, just understanding, uh, getting to those triggers quickly, uh, a little bit faster uh, in terms of what you're trying to do offensively. And, um, you know, like I said before, you know, making the counters to the counters and uh, making sure that, you know, we aren't surprised by whatever's happening and, and knowing uh, what puts us in a good position offensively and, and, and the triggers and the things we need to do to uh, make sure we're ready for um, any type of uh, little nuances they throw away. Yeah, Andre, it, it's been clear that, you know, in, in addition to the talent and the versatility, that the true chemistry that is on this team has been um, a, a strong point. The further along that you get in this playoff run, how much does that chemistry truly matter? And how are you seeing that payoff now at this point? Yeah, that's, uh, that's that's important for all championship teams, you know, to, to having that chemistry, uh, especially on the court. Uh, probably the only good thing about, you know, being in a bubble uh, is, is getting a little bit uh, closer ties to the guys. That's all you have to rely on. You know, the brain goes through a lot of different things. And um, in turn, that might help you, uh, you know, when you're out there on the court, um, you know, in those tough situations, um, you know, you know spending more and more time with each other on the court, off the court. So, um, you kind of really get a good read on your teammates, uh, whether whether they having a good game or they having a bad game, know how to respond to them, know how to pump them up. Uh, all those little things uh, are part of that chemistry that, you know, they don't show up in the stat sheet, don't show up in analytics, but uh, it really helps you um, interact with one another as the game's going on, even when you're on the bench, you know, talking about the game and how, and how you can help each other. Tyler and Duncan both have told me how much you've you've meant to them, how much you've helped them in such a short amount of time. I mean, what has it been like for you to come in at you know at this point, be able to make such a fast impact? What you know, how have you enjoyed that relationship with those young players and specifically? Yeah, well I've seen a lot. I had really good vets. So uh, very appreciative of what uh what it's like to have a good veteran teammate and uh just trying to do the same thing for my guys and uh uh I don't like when people know about that, so I like when I no one knows. So I try to take no credit at all. Well, they are giving you credit, both of them, for just kind of how you've yeah. been able to help. But what's I guess, what is special? What is special for you to be in a position to help two such young, talented players? Uh, well, well, there's a human element to it um, in terms of being a professional athlete that people don't really grasp, um, and the things that you have to go through and the mind goes through. Um, especially when the game's over and uh, just having some success, uh, whatever success that I've had, I've been able to realize that, uh, 
you know, there's a, uh, it's like real life and there's some other things that go on outside the game of basketball that, you know, everyone's going to have to adjust to at some point, you know, father time's still undefeated. So just trying to get those guys in a good mind space to uh, first and foremost, just appreciate the time that they have here try to take the most of it, make the most of it. But at the same time, you know, you build those relationships because we rely on each other, you know, once it's all over. Andre, to kind of follow on that, uh, this is such an unusual circumstance. You've been through so many playoff series and deep runs, but but typically a, a game is over, a loss happens, you go home to your families. <laughs> it's just a different environment. Here you're in the bubble with, with these guys. What has it been like? And just simply as a human being, what has it been like being there now for almost two months? How, how mentally taxing has it been? Yeah, 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 yeah. You have good days, you have good day, uh, bad days. Um, luckily for us, um, or I shouldn't say for us, but for myself, uh, it's been more good days, which uh, you know I, I really can appreciate. Um, sometimes I have to remind myself to, uh, you know, stay positive on those bad days. Like today's like kind of like a really shitty day, uh, but just trying to stay positive through it all. I understand like we really are blessed to be in this position. I got to keep reminding myself that, uh, but at the same time, that's what's helping me. Uh, my teammates have helped me through, you know, those down days. I haven't had many, honestly. Uh, when those guys are having down days, I'm there for them. So I think that goes into the chemistry thing, uh, just picking each other up and, uh, you know, I, th I, mean, I think, you know, this environment is really built for this environment. Uh, it kind of puts us in an advantage and just keep reminding ourselves of that. Uh, but that's, that's brought the team even closer together. We were already a tight-knit team. So, um, you know, keep telling ourselves and always plan to uh, play to the end. So, you know, that's been our focus. Thanks, Andre. Andre, Michelle's been here, I think, just about as long as you guys have. Yeah. What has it meant that the leadership has has been here to see good, bad, ugly, all of it. What what does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, we knew she's gonna be here from the beginning. You know, I've been having a lot of conversations with her uh, early on. Um, you know, Chris Paul has done a hell of a job. He's you know he's he's kind of the work he does flies under the radar, and the work she's doing kind of flies under the radar in terms of you know the sacrifices that are being made, the time. There's a lot of time put in, um, and and you know. She said from the beginning, you know, I got, you know, how how could I say I'm all in and really be there to support you guys if I'm not there with you guys? So she's in the trenches with us, and uh, you know, I've been also reading lately, and uh, you know, the leader of the, the next charge is going to be a woman, and uh, just really fortunate and uh, blessed and happy to see uh, the, the position she's been in and taking advantage of it and really supporting us and being behind us 100. percent And uh, whenever we called upon her, she's. Uh, you know, exceed expectations. Does she help when you have those rare bad days? You said today is one of them. Can especially when it got bleak, really bleak in here. Does her is it calming? Like, what's her leadership style, kind of? Uh, she's no bullshit, you know. So uh, she come from that lawyer background. So you know, she's she she uh, performs well in any environment. And it seems like the. The uglier, the uglier the environment, the the higher she performs, you know, uh, and especially when it gets tense and it gets, you know, pressure time, that's when she shines brightest. And, uh, you know, we've had some some tough days even before we got to the bubble and it really wasn't looking good. And uh, she was a voice of reason. And, uh, it, it, you know, there were specific reasons for certain decisions that were happening and she made it clear and cut on why we should move in certain directions, but whatever decision was being made. So there was a lot of pressure taken up uh, off of us and uh, she's just been performing really well for us. Dre, when it comes to Boston's dribble penetration, what is it you guys have to take away? 
Well, I mean, defense is uh, is being proactive. You know, when you're proactive defensively, um, it, it takes a lot of those things away. And when you're being reactive, uh, that's when the defense has two and three options. Um, and when you, you, you know, that's when you're on your heels. When you're on your heels, you know, that's when you're rotating, rotating, and eventually you're running out of guys um, and they're getting the looks that they want to get. Uh, so it's about being proactive, um, you know, turning your weaknesses into strengths. Um, and then, like, at the same time, uh, the same way you have a confidence offensively, you got to have the same confidence defensively in, in your skill set. You know, you may not be you know, one of the highest jumpers, but you can, you know, put yourself in, uh, be a position guy. Uh, where you can be in the right position to get the ball, whether you're, you know, least or most athletic. So uh, all those little nuances uh, come into uh, play as well. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things I uh, try to give to not just a younger player, but, you know, guys been in the league for a while. You know, you're one of the top stoppers in the league or you're a better defender than you believe. And, you know, it's the same same type of things. And then we went through uh, some good film, um, not just at the last game, but the first two games too. So just trying to put that full game together. Uh, that's the benefit I feel like our team has is that we still haven't put a full complete uh, our A-plus game together, and uh, we're still in a good position. Your early years in Philly, and you talked about the Vets. Did you kind of visualize, did you ever visualize you would ever be there? Usually when you're 21 and you look at 42, and you're like, I'll never get there. That's you know, light years away, and now you're that guy. And players are saying, oh, I played with you on NBA 2K and when you were in the – so how do you take all that in when you get older in this league and the culture changes from the younger guys and you kind of have to accept yeah, I mean, it's not really that hard. It's just something that you're supposed to do. You know, um, I forgot what book it was I was reading, but uh, I think I've seen it multiple times in terms of once you've mastered something, something it's your duty to give it back and teach it. Uh, so that's kind of my duty. You know, I've seen it at all levels, high levels, and no matter if I'm, you know, the main guy uh, or the franchise player or, you know, I'm one of the uh, guys coming off the bench, it's being a veteran player, being a role player, um, you know, just a different way of being all in. Uh, it may not just be production, but it may be in terms of uh, being a leader, being a good veteran, uh, being a good teacher, uh, helping the guys through the tough times, uh, helping them improve, uh, giving them that confidence at the same time, giving them encouragement. So uh, I guess it's just, you know, trying to, you reap what you sow and, and you kind of just the, the energy that you put out there uh, it, it plays a major part in, in your progression as a human being as well. Do you get flashbacks to when guys used to kind of tell you that and you're like, oh, man, what you talking about? Or were, did you always listen to to your vets? Yeah, I had really good vets, so it was, like, really easy to listen to them. And uh, they did it the right way. And, um, yeah, I, I wasn't one of those guys who was promised to be, you know, uh, make an all-star team or play in the Olympics or uh, win championships. Like, I didn't I didn't know I was going to be in the NBA until I – got drafted. So uh, I was always appreciative of uh, all the moments and just try to make the most of it. Hi, Andre. Thanks for talking to us. Sorry you've been struggling today, man. Um, after playing alongside Goran Dragic this year, I wondered what historical comparisons you see with his game and, you know, opponents or teammates that you've played with or against in the past. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, he's, part of, he's from a part of the globe where uh, there's a very high IQ of basketball that's, that's, that's uh, been played historically. So he has a very uh, amazing feel for the game. 
Um, he hits big shots in big moments, um, plays with some confidence. He's been through the trenches, uh, especially in EuroLeague and Euro basketball with his team, uh, his country winning the championships. Uh, uh, can't pinpoint the year, but very recently. So, um, you know, he, he, he's done it. He's got it in his game. Uh, he's been huge for us in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I learned a lot about him. Uh, from you know similarities between me and him in terms of regular season and he going to the playoffs, uh, so it's, it's been a been a joy to see a uh, great teammate, great guy. Um, but you know he's kind of like just that that prototypical uh, high IQ Euro player um, that it's, it's just uh, he's been very key for us. You know when, when, he, when he he hits big shots in key moments, uh, you've seen the first quarters we start off a little slow. He'll be that guy that kind of eases back into our groove, and, and you know that that ten point lead or a ten point deficit we may have, he'll cut it to six like like that. So uh, he's been a, a, a pretty uh, huge part of our success, and he's been a stabilizer uh, for us in, in key moments uh, throughout this run. Do, do you see any like Manu Ginobili in his game at all? Yeah, I never played with Manu. Uh, only was an opponent. Uh, but yeah, you know, everyone's thinking, you know, the left hand thing. Uh, but I, I would say the simulators, they, you know, like, like I said before, those big shots and those big moments and then that stabilizer, you know, whenever the Spurs needed a bucket, uh, a man who seemed to hit a huge shot, um, got to the line when he needed to, uh, very crafty um, with their passes. And then that change of pace is very similar. But like, like, you know, I'm explaining the same person when I say a guy who's, you know, Euro player. Uh, who's got a high IQ, who's done it well on an international level in big games internationally and uh, been able to translate that here to the NBA game and uh, impose as well. I want to introduce game. you to another of the great new sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and it is a sponsor that would be important in any time if you want to have a beautiful workspace, but it's especially important now when you need a safe one as well, and that's safe cubbies.com which offers modular office solutions designed to elevate your open office into a modern and safe environment at any budget you can personalize your workspace with options like whiteboards magnetic panels acrylic sheets and graphic branding most of the surfaces are non-porous for easy cleaning and can be removed or replaced within minutes now this is for workplaces they've got a bunch of different options on their professional series but also they've got private room solutions dividers and sneeze guards and they have a classroom series as well so if you're involved with the school this is definitely something your school should check out of course if we have school in the fall and that's the point here we were entering a new normal period with COVID-19 safecubbies.com which is locally owned is the place that you want to go the phone number is 754-216-1071 again that's 754-216-1071 or safecubbies.com all right, we'll get started. Uh, Ira Winderman, first question. Go ahead, Ira. Uh, Jay, I, I want to get your reaction from last game when they were guarding you with Kemba. Um, every shot you took still was a three-pointer. I, I, I was wondering, one, if it was a surprise, and two, all we hear about is how playoffs are about adjustments. So if you see that again, would there be a different approach, or do you still have to stay in what you're doing? Uh, well, obviously... I don't want to give everything away through you, <laughs> but obviously we got to make adjustments and um, that's what we've been doing. We've been practicing, watching film, we're continuing to do so, uh, but obviously it'll be a different game plan, different approach uh, moving forward. And, and then we, we see that a bunch of times. They try to sort of try to park people on different people who maybe 
are don't have complete roles in the offense. Uh, they played Ennis Cantor for a while in the first half on uh, on Andre Iguodala. Same type of thing. So now that you have a three day break and, and it's getting that way, without getting specific, I know you can't. Is it only natural to see sort of this back and forth chess game? Thank you. Yeah, it's the playoffs, Ira. You know, you've been a part of it. You saw it. It's about making adjustments and about um, moving moving pieces around and, and trying to adjust. So, uh, without, like I said, we can't give too much away. It, this is a chess match. This is two good teams going head to head. Two good coaches um, coaching at their at their best. So, you know, um, we'll make adjustments. We'll be ready for Game Four, and, and that's all I can give right now. But obviously, we did watch film, or we we will continue to watch film tonight um, in our meetings. So. Um, the game is about adjustments, and we'll definitely do our part about adjustments, but um, that's all I can give right now. Tim Reynolds? Jay, can you give us all the adjustments? <laughs> um, obviously, you've, you've been in this series twice, and the coach you played for the first time is the coach on the other side now. Are there parallels that you see between him and Spo? Like, are there things they do? I mean, obviously, nobody does everything alike, but... Are there things that Brad does that you kind of see in Spo or vice versa? Oh, I think the, the number one thing that sticks out to me is the attention to detail. Both coaches have preached that and, and pushed that with their teams, respectively. You know, um, you need that at this level. You need that at this time of the year um, because both teams really know exactly what you're trying to get to. It's just about the level of detail that you're doing it and how much you're imposing your will. So I think the similarities is definitely the, the – the attention to detail that they both coach with, who and they push it uh, to to their groups uh, tremendously. So I think that's a, a hell of a compliment to both coaches. And, and broadly about this series, you, I think Boston's won seven or eight of the quarters. You guys have won two of the three games. I know you guys weren't, weren't happy with the way the other night went, but can that get lost a little bit in that? You are still winning the series. Yeah, this time of the year, I don't care how many quarters we win, as long as we win the game. Um, I'm, obviously, you want to play your best basketball for 48 minutes, but it's not going to always happen that way. So you got to find a way to win. And I think we've been doing a good job of just reacting and trying to find a way to win. But we got we definitely got to start the games better. Uh, we feel that. We feel that um, trickle down throughout, throughout the whole series. It's been like we got to start the games better to give ourselves a chance just to weather the storm, whether it comes in the third quarter or fourth quarter a little better. So. With that being said, we, we know it, we feel it, um, and it's on us to, to, to make that adjustment. But no matter what, how many quarters they win, we win. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter who, who wins the game and, and who advances. So that's all we were focused on. Anthony Chang. Hey, Jay, you said during the Milwaukee series, you, you kind of wanted to see the team go through some type of adversity. How do you how do you feel like a team has kind of handled the past twenty four to thirty six? I was understanding you guys obviously saw a two one series lead and you're ten and two in the playoffs. But how do you think you know the team has handled these these past thirty six hours? We're coming together today and, and putting up and, and working on on, a, on some few things. Our spirit is right. Our head is right. Um, our our energy is there. Uh, so I think we're responding the right way. We, we're just trying to get better and trying to see how we can. Um, play a complete game, play a complete 48-minute game and, and be uh, as sharp as we, we can be on, on both ends of the court. So uh, with that being said, I think we took the took the loss, we took the adversity um, in a good way. And we're still, we're still taking it in. We still have meetings tonight. Uh, we're still digesting the, the, the adversity we faced. And um, we're going to obviously um, talk it out and get better. But I think we're, we're doing, we're, we're headed in the right direction when it comes to um, taking on the adversity and, and, and owning it as men and owning it as a group and trying to move forward. And, and one more, if I'm looking at the tape, um, what did Boston do differently 
against the zone maybe that made it tougher on you guys when you guys, you know, showed that look? I mean, I just think they did a good job of just uh, getting getting a body in the middle of the paint um, and, and just passing the ball well. Uh, but I think we could do a lot of things differently and a lot of things better at a higher level. Um, I just feel like they were ready for it, they were equipped for it, and they did a good job of just moving the ball. Rebecca Harlow? Yeah, Jay, this team's been very effective at defending the paint. Obviously, that was a breakdown in game three, the points in the paint. You know, going through that film, what stands out to you there? And again, I know you're not going to give me all your adjustments, but what stands out there about what you guys need to do differently? To keep it simple, just guard just guard, your, guard the ball better. Um, obviously, we can do a lot of different things um, to help the ball, uh, the, the defender on the ball. Uh, but I feel like we got to take pride, take, get our pride back in the guarding the ball, guarding the, guarding the guy in front of you. Um, and making this tough as possible. And from there, we'll figure it out. But I think that's number one. Jimmy said the other night, I thought this was interesting, that sometimes you guys can rely on Bam to be that last line of defense a little too much just because he's so good at it. Did you see that? Like, Do you feel that way, too, just in terms of making sure that you guys are all not having to rely on that? Same, because the way our defense is scheme, um, it could be anybody pulling that. We call it pulling the trigger, being the low guy on the defensive end and being the last help with the uh, help help of uh, line of defense. But uh, I feel like we do allow him a lot. But at the same time, sometimes we, we ask him to guard the perimeter. So that may be a different guy who's who's the low man. So I think all five guys on the court have to be, bam, to be in a sense, be that guy to come over and, and help uh, a, a driver or stop the ball. So um, we know that we watch him on it. We can't rely on him all the time because we're asking a lot of him on that end. So it, it has to be multiple other guys. Jason Jackson. Hey, Jay, a uh, question about the time off after playing all these games, uh, basically back uh, day off in between. Has this been a blessing to be able to do the things that you're talking about, or is it a challenge because you want to get back to the hard work? I mean, it's, 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 really, it's really right there in the middle. I feel like with your body-wise, you, you, want, you want that rest, but at the same time, the competitive nature, you want to get back out there, especially with – with a game that we had um, in game three. So um, we definitely take taking our time and, and, and getting our bodies right. But at the same time, we have to continue to play the game and play uh, the adjustments in our head and, and, and get prepared for be the most prepared team for, for game four. So um, I feel like we, we are doing the things we have to do uh, during this time apart uh, from gameplay. Ethan Skolnick. Jay, two quick things. Uh, the first one is, it Looking over it, looking over some of the numbers, uh, you guys missed more uncontested shots than you have the entire time uh, in the entire playoffs. As you guys were watching the film, did you see that? I mean, it looked like you were getting the shots you wanted. It just for a game weren't going down. Yeah, it was just, well, for whatever reason, um, we were we were pleased with the shots we were given, uh, were taken, uh, but we can be better at it too. Uh, we knew we had some room and we had some some type of improvement to do on that end of the court. Uh, just getting to our spots quicker and being ready. I think a lot of couple of shots really caught us by surprise. Uh, me, myself included, I just got to be always ready. And um, from that point on, our, our offense started clicking back to where it was at. But I think a lot of guys got some good looks at it. And uh, for whatever reason, they didn't they didn't go. So we'll be more prepared uh, for our shots and be prepared for uh, the Florida offense uh, come game four. Jay, obviously you played with Jimmy a long time, and, and he doesn't seem to need a lot of outside motivation uh, to get himself going. But can you tell in a game, uh, when he comes into a game, when he's particularly hyped up or or not, uh, you know, just, just in terms of his overall intensity? 
No, you'll never be able to tell uh, pregame because he's always he's like me when it comes to pregame. He's always that quiet, listen to his music in his own zone type player. He's not a really rah-rah type guy before the game. So the um, only way you can really tell is by his play. I think uh, he, he does do a lot of talking. Uh, he does do enough to to be a leader in our locker room, but at the same time to get himself going, he's not a guy who just sit there and talk about it. He's a, he's a guy who's about action. So um, you can definitely tell by uh, the start of the start of the game uh, if he's if he's uh, in one of those moves where he's just going crazy all game or letting the game come to him and, and filling it out into the fourth quarter and making a run at it. So um, whatever it is, we just need him to be on. We need him to be uh, as as locked in as possible, and we need the offense to flow through him and flow through Gorin as much as possible. And, and obviously, we got a lot of guys who can play around those guys with the ball in their hands. So um, we'll be better uh, come game four. Thanks, Jared. Jared Weiss from The Athletic. Jay, when you were back in Boston, you guys had an offense that was a lot of top of the arc, pick and roll heavy, stuff like that. And now in Miami, the ball kind of flows kind of inside out. Has that made it different from you and your role kind of popping and flaring around the arc? I mean, yeah, it fits to my versatility just to be able to play, put the ball on the ground and make a play or or, or just catch and shoot it in, in a rhythm that I'm comfortable with. Um, obviously, it's been it's been good to uh, touch the ball and have it pop around uh, for everybody, not just myself, but for everybody to just get the touches and get to feel the ball because uh, I feel like when you have all five guys on the court who, who's live and able to score and able to, to make plays for one another, it makes us more dangerous. So uh, it's been a great flow for us um, collectively. And I think to, we have to, we have a few adjustments to make just to make that run a little smoothly because they are doing a good job of adjusting and making adjustments and throwing different different lineups and different matchups for us. So um, it's definitely been beneficial for myself, but uh, not only for myself, but for, for our team. Hugh Hopkins from Sky Sports UK. Thanks for talking to us, Jay. Um, Goran struggled a bit in the last game, and he's he's been your leading scorer throughout the playoffs. So, how how important is he for you guys on the floor? But also, how important is he as a teammate off the court? Uh, like I said, Gordon is, is is one of our guys, one of our playmakers. So um, he has been a leading scorer, but at the same time, we expect him to make plays. That that could be scoring, that could be uh, his assists being up, that could be just uh, getting our getting our offense uh, set and, and running. So. Uh, we depend on him to do a lot of stuff on that in the court, and we will continue to do so. But uh, his leadership is, is is very high in our locker room. We we love him as a leader. We know he's giving it his all. Um, he's a he's a hell of a competitor. Uh, he's someone you want to go to war with. So uh, we know what we get from him. Uh, we just got to get him in better situations uh, to make his playmaking uh, get us back to to where we're on the winning side of basketball. That's great. Thanks. And and historically, are there any players that you would compare his game to? Uh, I mean, in a sense, he's like a Steve Nash in a little bit because he, he's so good in the pick and roll. He can do a lot of different things in the pick and roll. He gets his teammates involved, and uh, he can score at a high clip. So uh, I just think his pick and roll game is is pretty high and up there with, with, with a great like Steve Nash. That's great. Thanks. And, and Jay, our last question, Christos Saltos from SDNA Greece. Hello, Jay. Two questions. First of all, uh, which will gonna be the key point for Game Four against uh, Celtics? And the second question is how difficult, how different will gonna be your defense approach with uh, Gordon Hayward on the other side? Uh, well, I feel like just um, to get Game Four under control, I feel like uh, first of all we have to play harder. I think those guys really play harder than us when it comes down to it. You can talk X's and O's all you want to. I just feel like those guys brought the fight to us from start to finish. 
um, and it's up to us to respond. And I think um, our, our defensive assignments on that end of the court with Gordon Hayward are the same. We just got to continue to make it hard. He's a, he's a respectable player uh, in this league. Uh, he's an offensive threat. We know it. Uh, but we just want to continue to wear to wear him down as much as possible, give him a lot of different looks um, and not and have nothing come easy for him. So uh, we know he can get it going and we, we just don't want him to get going at all on us. And uh, he's definitely a, a, a vocal point in uh, what we're trying to do on that end of court. All right, Jay, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. So. Thanks, Jay. Thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.